you know, you think there's a talent shortage. I'm telling you there is a talent abundance. And if you're not providing training, you're missing the boat. Have you ever wondered what the top insurance agents are doing to grow their book of business exponentially each and every month? I've personally grown my own agency to multiple locations and dozens of agents over the past 20 years, learning from the industry's leading experts and applying what they've taught me to my own agency. And now I've invited these same experts to share their industry leading secrets with you. My name is Jim Schubert and welcome to Agents Growth Academy. Welcome to Agents Growth Academy. I am your headmaster, Jim Schubert. If you want to learn how to improve your branding, your marketing, and your agency operations, you are in the right place. And if you're looking to learn how to solve the talent shortage, putting that in air quotes and you'll figure out why later, this is the episode for you because I have Sarah Mooney's who is going to tell us how to, to, to solve that problem. I can't wait for her to talk about that. Uh, in the meantime, before I bring her on, I did want to thank everyone. Um, at the time of this recording, if we haven't already hit it, we're closing in on 20,000 downloads of the show in just about less than five months, which is just unbelievable. And I'm, I'm honored and, and humbled. And what would, honor and humble me even further is if you haven't taken the time yet to go leave us a review on Apple podcast in particular, formerly iTunes, that would mean the world to me. It honestly, besides feeding the algorithm, it, I love reading the the reviews and the feedback because it gives me the energy to keep going and I get good feedback and figure out what people are excited about so that we can do more of that. So Appreciate everyone who's listened thus far. And if you have uh, just two minutes to go leave a review, I would love nothing more. But let's talk about our guest today. Sarah is a published author, yes, she is, of Undiscovered Voices, Unlocking the Potential of Women in Insurance. I love it. She's a top producer at three different insurance agencies, or she has been. She's not currently a top producer at three different agencies, I hope. Um, and she is a mother of, and I love this, a mother of two teens that are still alive. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show, Sarah Mooney's. How are you doing, Sarah? I'm doing awesome. And my biggest accomplishment, I think, is my children surviving their teenage years. <laughs> I know we were talking about that off air and how our kids have such wildly different personalities. And I know with your son and your daughter, how are you describing them to me? Um, so my daughter is type A, stressed out. Everything has to be perfect all the time. She tries to make me type A, but I'm not. I drive her crazy because I'm just like, you know, it's good enough. <laughs> Slap some paint on it. And um, or you put, put a comb through your hair, but she wants it braided perfect, that type of thing. <laughs> and my son is the class clown. So he's definitely much more like me, which is funny that my boys like me and my girls like my husband. <laughs> That's funny. I know. Isn't it amazing? Like they come from the same people and they are wildly different. Yeah. It's crazy. Well, I'm super excited. You said that if this interview were a masterclass, it would be called solving the talent shortage. I'm doing that in air quotes because of what you told me. So tell me and tell the audience, was there a pivotal moment for you or something that kind of woke you up to 
the solution for the talent shortage that we that we face? Yes. Yeah, so actually, I think my light bulb moment was in 2019, back before everything shut down and we were still having conferences. <laughs> I was working for an InsurTech and I was going to all these large conferences, national conferences. Um, and there was one hot topic and all the hot topics were the talent shortage, how we don't have enough talent, people are afraid to retire, how do we solve it? Do we get, you know, virtual assistants? How do we get those in quick enough? How do we train more people? How do we attract the next generation? Which they were still talking about millennials. And let's be honest, millennials are grown. They've already chosen their career paths. We're now talking about Gen Z. So during these conferences, I was just having a lot of trouble digesting what they were saying and what everyone was saying that, We don't have enough talent. Mm -hmm. And the reason why was I sat there and thought, I was like, well, I'm talented. And I know thousands, hundreds of women that I talk to on a daily basis that they're so talented, yet we keep hitting these walls where we either have to like change career paths or change where we're working in order to move past a glass ceiling because Mm -hmm. we're being told. I was told in one at one job that you're only you're only good at service. You can't ever move into a producer role, but I wanted to make more money. So I had to go find another place that would hire me and take a chance on me as a producer. I happened to be their top producer for nine years. So I don't know that they really took a big chance on me. I I had the ability. And then when I wanted to move into management, they gave me the same thing. You're just a producer. You're only good at sales. You don't know how to train and manage people. So then I took another leap of faith and actually that leap of faith, I crashed is a crash of faith. Um, (laughs) And (laughs) a little bit of bloody nose, had a rough time, had to build my confidence back up. And when I'm in these, when I was at these conferences and they were talking about, we don't know, we can't move people up. There's not any talent to move up. We got to attract the next generation of talent. And it's going to take years to catch up our industry from this talent shortage I started doing the research and think and trying to figure out like, well, what's wrong with me? Why didn't I move out? Uh, if there's not enough talent and I'm talented, why did I not move up? Yeah. So then I'm talking to women. They're all having very similar struggles. I start doing the research. 60% of the industry, actually 61% of the industry, and it hasn't changed since I did the research in 2019, um, are female, yet only 12% make it past an upper management position. Oh, Everybody's wow. in lower management and lower. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's it's a, a perception problem is what I decided. I decided mm-hmm. there's all this talent and I wanted to do the research to figure it all out. But there's so much talent in the industry already. And we have a perception that there's not enough talent, but the perception's wrong. We have all the talent that we need. We just need to foster it, train it, give a career path. And open up some eyes to what some of the bias and some of the assumptions that are harmful to the industry that are being made. So I call it a talent perception problem because we have the talent. And by letting that talent move up to where they should be based off of their performance and what their abilities to do and giving them the tools to be able to do that and uh, learn different job sets, that type of thing, then your next generation is automatically going to be attracted to an industry that helps you excel based solely off of talent, not off of skin color or gender or anything else, just based off of you're a talented individual. And, 
you know, I have to, I mean, if there's 61% women and 39% men in the industry, I don't understand how only the 39% of men men are talented, not the other 61%. (laughs) (laughs) That's my challenge statement on that. That is fascinating. So I, you know, I, there's a lot of things that could come out of this. And I'm thinking about people I'd like as you were giving those statistics and talking about uh, people not moving up or being able to move up, uh, you know, it, I was thinking about people in my own organization. Um, man, I, I couldn't be more proud now after hearing that, that three of our senior leadership team members are women. And I, some of my best producers are women. And Two of them in particular that I'm thinking of off the top of my head, we moved from being actually one, I think started as a processor and one started out as an account manager and have both moved into being um, top producers, but it didn't happen overnight. I'm not saying that we're like better than everybody else and we're smart. We woke up to that fact because we realized what you realized and, and it's, I guess my question to you would be, how do we get everybody else to realize this? I mean, I know that there's a lot of like, we joke that our, our industry can be dinosaur-ish at times, right? So how do we, how do we cut past that perception? So when I was doing research on the book, a lot of people that I would talk to, I would ask them, like, do you think there's inequities in the genders or in races or do we Mm -hmm. have a DNI issue or anything like that in our Mm -hmm. industry? And men and women, a lot of times more men than women, but even, even women would say, well, no, I mean, we have a lot of women in the industry. Everyone seems to be pretty happy. And then men would say, oh, no, we have, you know, we, we don't have a diversity issue. It's just that maybe women don't want to move up or maybe maybe this, maybe that. Or I know a few people that are women that moved up into senior management. So I think we're OK until yeah. I and then I start doing the stats and it's yeah. it shows. I mean, the stats don't lie. Sixty one percent in the industry, but only 12 percent past you know, lower management levels. That's definitely an inequity. And then when I started looking at how much money women make versus men in the industry, we're Still 1950, I think it was 52, 55, somewhere in the 50s, they were paying more in regular business models outside of the financial fields. They were paying as much to women uh, per dollar. So I think it was like 60 cents or 57 cents per dollar for women. Like, so that's how much every woman earned versus man. And we're only paying like 60 cents to the dollar for women versus men now. We're not paying much more than what we were, what women were getting paid to the dollar that men were making back in the fifties. So we have not made the progress that we think we've made. Yeah. And the the problem is, is it's been kind of like swept under the rug. And when you look at, it was funny that you said the thing about your processors and your service representative, helping them move into producer roles and um, further along because a lot of times your your career positions and your inline service positions, they have two different career paths. And that's mm-hmm. a problem because most of the customer service processing um, people, usually young women that come into the role new, mm-hmm. they get stuck in those positions because they don't see um, like wherever they're working, they don't see them as moving up much past that. 
They yeah. see them as they're a service person. They're always going to be a service person. So I don't think about cross training them. So they yeah. get stuck in this service position and anybody in the insurance field knows and service people are fantastic. I was a service person, so I truly appreciate them. Mm-hmm. They're awesome. I didn't want to be in service my entire life. I yeah. learned a lot when I was in service, but the money's in sales. <laughs> so that's yeah. where you get yeah. the money. Yeah. But if you can't, if you're, if, if where you're working, they're telling you that you're not a salesperson and they're breaking your confidence and not willing to teach you or help you move into that role. And you have to take a leap of faith and go work somewhere else and hope that you're right about being good at it. And there may or may not be training to teach you how to do it. You just have to hope that you can believe in yourself enough. There's an issue there. There's a disconnect. So although we have lots of women, they're getting stuck in these service roles Whereas maybe and they, maybe they want to be in service, but it doesn't mean they can't be service managers. They can't move into a more of a career path in those roles. Or maybe some of them would be really great at sales. Maybe they're great at cross-selling. That's that's kind of how I got my start in sales, yeah. was cross-selling um, the home and auto products with one another. But my the employer didn't see that as a sales position. That was a service position. So luckily, I could learn sales without realizing I was learning it. But I kind of knew I was learning it because I was doing most of the production in the office. Yeah. However, he didn't see me that way. He was just like, you're really great at customer service. People love talking to you. That's that's where you need to stay. Sure. Yet, when I went into a production role, I was really great at that, too. And then, um, so it's it's that putting people in boxes and assuming what they want or assuming you went into service, so that's all you ever want to do. You, you don't know that until you talk to someone, until you talk to that person and make the conversation safe. Yeah. Um, and when I say safe is you can say I have an open door policy. However, if your open door is come in, talk to me, I'm not going to listen. And when you say something I don't like, I'm going to tell you to be quiet or ignore you. Mm-hmm. That's not an open door policy. And that's happened to me in my entire career. Yeah. Um, in fact, I went into an employer's office three times, asked for management positions. And after the third time, he's like, stop asking. I don't know why you keep asking. I, I'm ignoring you on purpose. You're never going to have that kind of position. You're just going to have to be in sales and just be happy. Be happy because you're making good money. I'm like, but I want I want more. I want to help more. I want to create an opportunity for other um, people that maybe were struggling prior to it being a producer. Yeah. And I was told I went, it was pretty flat. No, you're not going to do that because that's not who you are. That's not your role. Well, why are you telling me who I am and what my capabilities are? Why wouldn't you want to foster, take that like drive that I have mm. and help me? And then, you know, like there are so many meetings where I was told just to be quiet, you know, because the manager was talking and and he's a guy. So he knows more what he's talking about than than I do, that type of thing. Yeah. And you you learn as a woman, a lot of times you learn that it's not safe to talk because I, my mouth gets me in trouble. I've gotten let go from jobs because I got a big mouth. And so eventually you learn, like if you get slapped enough, you learn to like, well, maybe I should keep my mouth shut. So if you're not, if you don't have that open, safe environment where it's like, you can come into my office and truly talk to me about anything and we can really resolve any issue that you have, or we can find a path for you. That's how you create loyalty. And that's how you create someone moving up and taking away those assumptions. Stop assuming what people want and talk to them. Yeah. You know, um, one other example I have, and I put it in my book, I get let go of for being pregnant with my first child. So 
he assumed I didn't want to work because I was pregnant. And that was actually the opposite of what I wanted. I really wanted to work because I was having a baby. I didn't want to be stuck at home with her. I wanted to make money. It's legal to let somebody (laughs) go because they're pregnant too, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And it was just 2004 um, because she was born 2005, which ages me, but (laughs) I was 17 year old. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I mean, really, when you think about it, it wasn't that long ago. Yeah. And I actually saw somebody on my women in insurance space um, group that she um, was having trouble with her employer and they were trying to let her go. They were saying it was because of some other reason, but she had just notified them that she was pregnant too. So she was trying to figure out what action she should take. So that I just saw that on that um, post like a month ago. And I sent her a message. I was like, hey, I'd love to talk with you. I've gone through the same thing. It's so sad that it's still happening in 2022. So it's not something that happened a long time ago. It's it's still happening. Yeah. Um, So what I'm trying to do, like in the book, is I I put the research. I put like where women fit in the insurance field, how long we've been in the insurance field, what we're good at, which everyone's talking about soft, soft skills. Like we need more people with soft skills. Not enough people have soft skills. Um, we need empathetic people in the insurance industry. And I'm like, who is better and more empathetic than a woman? <laughs> I, we, like, we hit the jackpot on all the levels right there. We're great communicators. I talk about the wiring of um, the female brain versus the male brain. Ah. Essentially, we're, we, our IQs, we're all very, we're all similar. We come to the same answers, the same, um, but different ways. We take different paths to get to different answers and we problem solve differently. But ultimately, we have all the same abilities. Women, though, we're naturally great at communication. We're naturally great at empathizing. So that's a skill that is just natural for us. It doesn't even have to really be honed in on. Yeah. So, I mean, why not take advantage of that? And then um, so I go kind of into that. And then in between the chapters, I share stories of different women that have had different experiences in the insurance field and some of them had, um, many of them had glass ceilings and had issues and had to overcome the obstacles. But many of them, I do have some in there that show what can happen when those obstacles are removed and they had a clear path of where they wanted to be, what the benefits to the company is. And then, um, and then I, that's really after I spent about half the book explaining everything and what my thought process is and the stories, I go into the solution of solving the talent, the perceived perception of the talent crisis and how we get Gen Z um, pulled in. And um, my Gen Z chapter is probably my very favorite chapter because my daughter wrote it at 15 years old. Your daughter wrote the chapter? Mm Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. So I wanted to bring her into it too. That is... That was important. I applaud you. My children and I and, and our whole family, my wife, were sitting at dinner last night and my kids, we were having a conversation about how do we get our kids involved in the businesses that I have early in some way that they can get involved. I mean, they're, they're, they're asking, my youngest was like, actually it was my middle daughter I was like, dad, how can I get involved in Agents Growth Academy? Like she kind of knows what it is, but it's like that. Wow. That's, that's awesome. What gave you the idea to do that? Your clients deserve an easier way to pay their insurance premium. 
ePay Policy is the simplest solution for insurance agents to collect credit card and ACH payments, speed up reconciliation, bind policies faster, and provide an experience customers love with powerful tools that make insurance payments a breeze. With customizable payment pages, a company dashboard, and integration with your AMS or CRM, you'll be in payments heaven. Get paid faster. Visit ePayPolicy.com to learn more. Um, so she's watched me throughout her entire childhood go through my struggles. So I wanted to show what her perception is, like what she sees as right and wrong and what her motivation is for choosing a career. Yeah. And just to come out of the, you know, coming out of the mouth of babes, if you will. I wanted to show how, what she perceived and saw and to show that we can change that perception just based off of making changes now that our Mm -hmm. children see. So she has a very negative view of the insurance industry because of what I've gone through. And she writes and I cry. I mean, every time I write it, I read it, I cry. I can't even like read it anymore because I'm like, I'm just a big baby when I read her words. (laughs) She just talks about watching me struggle and she doesn't want to be in in a field that doesn't believe in equality for men and women and help foster that, um, you know, those uh, that uh, that talent yeah. and and do the right thing because they're all about social justice. You know, I want to work sure. for a company that does the right thing and that's doing yeah. the right thing, and and I want to feel like I'm helping others. And she didn't. She hasn't been able to see that by watching me in my career. And so yeah. it's really about like this is what this is what a Gen Z is seeing, and this is there's plenty of other you know women. And men that are in the insurance industry that their kids are seeing it too. Mm-hmm. So they hear what they say and kids see and see so much more than you give them credit for. I had no idea some of the things that she said in that chapter that she really understood was happening. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And yeah. Um, so I just wanted to, I wanted to get her, her buy-in into it. And I just thought it'd be really cool for her to be a, pu- a published author at 15 years old too. <laughs> She's 17 awesome. now, That's but I just awesome. kind of cool to share that experience with her. That's brilliant, Sarah. That's brilliant. I love that. I love that. There were so, I wrote down so many questions when you were talking. One of them, uh, it made me think about when, when people are in the interview process, I know you, you were talking about how it seems very, you know, people find themselves in what, in, in a limited position, they're boxed in, as you said, and, and then they're, they're told that they can't move up and things like that. One of the first questions, literally, I think it, it's actually the first question. I'm giving it away to anybody that applies uh, for a job with us, but here you go. It's for free. Uh, the very first question we ask, what are your, well, actually the first question is what job are you applying for? Because <laughs> if they don't get that right, it's like, oh man, come on, what are we doing? But the second one is what are your career goals? And I'm wondering if you have some questions or things that women should be thinking about or asking or looking for or listening for when they're in the interview process that might help them make a better selection from the get-go instead of finding themselves boxed in. Does that make sense? It does. And I wish I had the answer to that question, but from my history, I I'm working for a really great place now. I love my employer and I probably um, wore him out with questions. He might've even questioned whether he wanted to hire me after I asked him the hundred questions. 
Um, however, it's been really great. Prior to that, though, I was not making good selections on where I work because I every single time I felt like I'm like, what's the growth potential? You know, yeah. where where can I be in five years? What can I do to prove myself? Like those would be the questions I would ask. And it almost seemed like they had the right answer for me. They'd always say, you know, the sky's the limit. You you get sure. to choose what you make. You get to choose your own path. We'll help you. We'll train you. And then I would get in there and it typically didn't happen. There were a few places that I worked at when I interviewed and I look back at and they were really terrible experiences. And I could think back, okay, when I interviewed, I had a gut feeling about this Mm -hmm. particular employer that it was either too good to be true or they weren't being honest with me. Or maybe they said something that kind of triggered like iffiness in me. However, I still took the position. Yeah. So I think my my biggest um, thing I would say is go with like really trust your gut. Don't second guess your gut because every time I've second guessed my gut, mm. my gut is almost always right every yeah. single yeah. time. Yeah. It, so I, I don't know that there's really like a question to ask, but it's the gut feeling that you get. Well, I would say that makes a lot of sense, but actually one thing that you said even makes more sense to me. And that is you said that in the current job you're in, you asked a lot of questions. And I can't tell you being on the other end of of the interview where we're the one interviewing someone, me and, and members from the senior leadership team, or maybe we have, you know, another person who's going to buy into the process or the person, uh, if it's a a producer who we're looking for an account manager or account manager we're looking, you know, we're bringing out a producer, whatever it is, um, the people that that ask the most questions, not in an annoying way, right? But that are asking good, smart questions that show that they are advocating for themselves and that there's things that they care about that they want to see. Uh, Some of the best questions I've ever gotten from people that showed me that they really cared is when kind of the example you gave of when, when you said, you know, uh, can you tell me about growth potential and that kind of thing? And they give you an answer. Um, I think a great follow-up question uh, to that could be could be for anybody, no matter what position you're applying for is, can you give me an example of someone in your organization where that happened? Because we ask the people that we're interviewing all the time, can you give me an example? Can you give me an example? Because mm-hmm. we want them to prove to us. So it's kind of the same thing, but by you just asking lots of questions, I think that's a phenomenal tip. <laughs> <laughs> so well done. Absolutely. Well done. Thank you. Um you you talked about situations where there's um no training. Uh like you you f- you get into an organization where you you find yourself in a position where there's no training. Um how can people advocate for themselves when they find themselves in that position? And what would you say to somebody that finds themselves in, in a position like that? It's difficult because I've been in that same position. So mm-hmm. the problem is, is when there's not training offered or you're not getting the training you need and you keep asking for it, because that's mm-hmm. what I would do. I would go into these positions and, you know, I'd, see, I'd ask how I do this, how I do that. And they're like, well, I figured it out on my own. You go figure it out on your own. Mm-hmm. Well, you're creating this really long growth curve for somebody, especially if they're brand new, but even when you're starting in a new organization, 
the organization, every organization does things differently. They want things done differently. Yet, if they're not providing you with the training that you need in order to be successful, so it what may have taken you one month to start creating production or to start being successful, now it's going to take you three to six months. You're starting to doubt your capabilities. You're starting to doubt yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I would try to reach out to other people that you know are successful in, in like roles. That's what I had mm-hmm. to do in the past. Okay. And find somebody like if you can't get anyone in your organization to take the time to train you, maybe you can go and find, you know, find a gym because he's a he's great at what he does. And I want to duplicate his results. How do you do that? Go find a, um, you know, go find because people love mentoring. I love to help others. And I think naturally most people, if they're successful, truly a successful, humble person, I think they want to see success for others, even if they don't work in the same company. Yeah. So, so, so you have to go outside and to the organizations not offering training. When you don't offer training, you are setting your people up that you're hiring for failure. Yeah. And it, it costs a lot of money to hire someone new and to just watch them like swing, sing, uh, sink or swim. Yeah. It's yeah. not a good strategy because a lot of people think like I swam everywhere that I worked at. Yeah. But it was like a. I feel like I'm drowning and then, but I finally came up. It was a hard doggy paddle. It's a hard doggy paddle. It was hard. (laughs) I was out of breath. I was stressed out. (laughs) But if there was just a little something in place to help me train and help me like know how to get my right footing and point me in the right direction, I'm very trainable. And I think most people are very trainable as long as you give them, give them something to go off of and give them a path. Like these are your goals. Um, One place that I worked at, we had, um, like kind of a like a pay structure based off our commission and plat plateaus. We had like plateaus, so it was like you mm-hmm. know if you hit this, you make this. If you hit that, you make that. And for me, that was really easy. Yeah. To do the math, I'm like, okay, yeah. well, if I do this many quotes, I'll sell 15. I'll make yeah. this much money, and I'll hit this yeah. plateau and make this much. So make it very transparent mm-hmm. as far as the w- employers go. Yes. Because um, the book isn't just about like. Yeah, I want to give more capabilities to women to succeed, but really I want to talk with all the leadership and executives inside the insurance industry and say, hey, you know, you think there's a talent shortage. I'm telling you there is a talent abundance. And if you're not providing training, you're missing the boat. You're missing those people who you train and who you help develop. They're going to remember that and they're going to have a different kind of loyalty. And if they think, you know, if they kind of like hit like I'm top producer for five years and now I'm bored yeah. and you give them, you know, like, OK, well, if you hit this, then we're going to give you this opportunity and give them always like a carrot, but not like dangling a carrot because that's happened right. to me, too, right. where it's like if you do this, I'll dangle this carrot and then you get there and they're like, oh, just kidding. Yeah. Um, the yeah. carrot's gone. You have to actually give them the carrot because they earned it. And then hopefully they've trained someone underneath them and they pulled them up and you just have this like call it monkeys in the, in a barrel game, you know, where you have everyone's holding each other's hands and pulling each other up from the top. Yeah. And really creating success for that company. Yeah. Yeah. And and, and as I was thinking, you know, when you were talking about like dangling the carrot pro tip for anybody uh, who might be chasing that carrot uh, or about to get it in writing from the employer who's offering that, because we have, we as employers, we get busy. And a lot of times it's not like we're intentionally trying to 
um, you know, like put you in a bad situation, but we didn't write it down for ourselves and, and nobody remembers exactly what happened. So we're just trying to, you know, but the times when we started to like put things in writing and it's very clear when you hit X, this is what's going to happen. And then there's just no question at that point. You know, one thing you were saying before um, about like reaching uh, going outside the organization, if you're not getting the training, you mentioned insurance, uh, women in insurance. That's one organization. Um, uh, also, Kim Beach, uh, who we've had on the show before, she just launched uh, Insure Women. And I know you're a founding member, I believe. Uh, yes. Yeah, Kim. Yeah. Can you tell us, uh, for those who might not know, they didn't hear the episode, what's what's somebody like Kim and, and who else could you recommend out there that people reach out to for help outside of an organization if you're not getting what you need? Um, so there's another organization that I'm part of, Insure Equality. Have you mm-hmm. heard of that one? It's no. um, Alyssa Stamp is the one that's doing that one. Okay. But she's um, helping setting up a like rating platform and DNI kind of thing for the insurance industry for for companies to pledge and say, hey, we pledge that we're going to do the right thing to the best of our capabilities if we need extra training. And they, their employee, their employees rate them based off of, you know, where they feel like they are, whether they feel like they're treated equally, whether they think there's any um, issues like with glass ceilings, whether they yeah. feel comfortable with how their culture is. And then it gives them it gives them a rating so that they know, OK, we want to be a 10, but we're a four. How do we go from a four to a eight? Or how do, mm-hmm. how do we move up the scale with our employees? How do we create a better culture? Right. So she's a really great um, person to connect with. Um, I also, Meredith Messenger, she's really great. She does Insure Good. And she actually helps women start up their own agencies that uh-huh. maybe wouldn't have the capabilities on their own. So she's mm-hmm. really great. Great. Um, and then um, Monica Adewani, she's just really great to to talk to, and she's been very successful in the industry. Um, gosh, there's there's just so many awesome people that could could help out and help mentor, um, yeah. you know, d- women. And then also, yeah. you know, I re- I've reached out to lots of guys in the industry and asked them like, how did you get where you get where you are? Sure. The problem yeah. is, is though, their experiences were way different than mine. A lot of times yeah. they'd be like, oh, you know, I came to work and drank coffee and then they moved me up to a new position and <laughs> I'm just awesome. So a lot of times I'm like, oh, <laughs> come on. It's not that awesome easy all the time. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. But, yeah. um, but there's definitely male advocates and um, mentors out there that are happy to help help yeah. everyone. I love it. One thing I saw you do literally today, at least I think, or I, don't, I think you posted it showed up in my feed today on LinkedIn. Um, was you made a post talking about women in the insurance industry, and then asked people to tag other women in the insurance industry who, uh, to, in order to help them be seen. I think that's is, did I get the gist of that correct? Yes. Yes. That was beautiful, by the way, and I loved it. Um, Thank you. I think, I think I would love to see more people do things like that more frequently to lift other people up because we just we need more of that. Um, but I love it. I love it. 
This has been yeah. super helpful. Um, I think hopefully for our audience, I know I've learned a lot. I, I literally, I've made copious notes on my sheet about like, uh, different questions to ask and, and people to reach out to. Um, and I want to move on to the rapid fire round. I want to give you a chance in, in a minute to, um, leave some parting advice unless there's something else you want to talk about. Get off your chest real quick. Um, no, I guess the only like that, um, message that you're talking about, that the video on, um, LinkedIn that you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. 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 I was actually, so I've been told in my career in various roles that I was out of the norm and I was an anomaly and not women aren't usually good at sales and women aren't usually this and women aren't usually that and women aren't usually go getters. Yeah. So the post was all about showing that I'm not an anomaly. I'm the norm that there's yeah. so many talented women out there. So I really, that was really what drove the post was I was sitting there thinking about like, no, I'm like not anything special. I'm pretty normal. Yeah. And I just want to make sure that people know that there's so many Sarah's out there, probably way better than Sarah's actually. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that was, um, that would be the only thing, other thing I would say. And then as far as um, just like a wrap up thing to say is um I really think that our industry needs to create open, safe spaces to talk and yeah. don't shut anybody down, whether they are, you know, and I, I don't want to use the word that they are just a CSR because they're not. They are a person. They're just no one person is more important than the other. And everybody should be able to have a right to um, share their experiences and share where they want to go at career wise and really listen. Like listening yeah. is going to be the best way to create change. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Beautiful. Let's hit the rapid fire round. You ready? I think so. All right. Don't be nervous. What <laughs> is one piece of technology or software that you cannot live without? And if you say your cell phone, you have to tell me something about it. <laughs> I'm going to actually go with my AirPods. Oh, Okay. Something that connects to your cell phone. <laughs> Why? Why? I don't get a crick in my neck every time I try to talk. Or I don't want a brain tumor either. Don't yeah, cell true. phones get brain tumors still? They stop I don't, I don't know. I haven't asked mine recently. Um. You haven't asked her? Well, she keeps telling me to ask a doctor, so... <laughs> I should have her. You, I I have the one thing a lot of people don't know about me. I grew up with um, uh, a, a kid here in Atlanta whose mother turns out she is the original voice of Siri. And I, 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 I know her well. She came to speak to our company, Susan Bennett. Um, wow. She, yeah. And it's funny because if you go, if, if you then like, Listen, and they've changed the voice since then. But if you listen to the old one, it was like, oh my gosh, that is Susan. Um, <laughs> all right. So your ear pods. So what do you listen to on your ear pods? Is that, are you using it for your phone or, or like listening to uh, audible books or, or podcasts? Or I'm sure you're listening uh, to this podcast. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So either, <laughs> um, you know, meditating, listening to podcasts, um, listening to to books typically, or I'm just trying to drown out my family. A lot of times I'm using it to talk on the phone so that they don't <laughs> have to hear all the conversations going on around me. Yeah. Uh, so more than like, most of the time it's to talk on the phone. Yeah. I love it. 
Yeah, I got out of my car today. I was having a conversation, great conversation with a, another fellow insurance agency owner and uh, parked in my driveway, like got out, had the phone, walked in. My dog needed to go out. So I grabbed my AirPods, threw them in and I was like, kept the conversation going. I'm walking down the neighborhood. It's a beautiful day. I was like, hey, this is awesome. <laughs> it's awesome. Best adventure. Uh, yeah. All right. One, one book that you're reading right now or that you just want to share with folks something you've read in the past that, that really strikes a chord with you? So one of my favorite books that I was le- listening to, or um, yeah, I was listening to, I wasn't reading it. Let's be honest. Yeah. Um, was the Mel Robbins five second role. Um, oh. So have you ever heard of that one? So it's all no. about not giving your time to yourself time to think before taking action. You just do it. So instead of like the five second rule of eating your food when it falls on the floor, it's more like if you want to do something, just do it and don't think about it. Don't overthink about it. Yeah. And um, the book topic actually resonated with me more because I actually typically don't think about things before I do it. So I was like, oh, I've been doing it the whole time. I'm not supposed to think about it. Yeah. So I really like that she uh, fed into that ego part for me. She's a really great um storyteller and it's a really great book and it's insightful and fun. And then my, the book that I've been listening to, which I'm way behind on the times is Harry Potter because we went on a road trip and it's really long. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Yeah. So you listen to books on audible like me? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know where I'd be without that. What's that? (laughs) Every once in a while I do try to read, but yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's so easy. I know. Um, we actually, uh, we, we, we have a deal with audible where if, if folks go to audibletrial.com forward slash grow big, um, you can get a free book, uh, if you're not already a member. And I think if you have prime, you can get like maybe two books or something, but audibletrial.com forward slash grow big. I, I listen to books usually to preview them. And then if I really like it, I'll go buy the book and just make notes. It's fun. If you pick up any of my books, they're just underlined and notes and exclamation mm-hmm. points and stuff like that. I don't know if you do the same thing or if you just listen. To well, my fun books, I just listen to the fun yeah. books, but the yeah. ones like you know, the self-development ones and the ones yeah. that I really want to learn from, I'll yeah. do that yeah. as well. Yeah. That makes sense. What's uh what's a lesson that you've learned in your career that if you were looking at your younger self, what advice would you give your younger self? So do you remember the cat dangling off the tree kind of picture that was everywhere? The hang on tight cat? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> I would tell younger me, hang on tight. It's going to be a bumpy ride, but you will make it. You will thrive in the end. It's not, you're, you're not going to crash like you think you're going to, because there's been many times throughout my career where I just thought I'm never going to be able to pick myself up from here. I, I don't know where I'm going. I felt mis. I didn't have a direction yet. Everything ended up being the way it's supposed to be. And I ended up, I've at this point, at least I feel like I'm thriving versus, um, you know, floundering like I was for so long trying to figure it out. So I just say, buckle up, hang on tight. It's going to be all right. (laughs) That's awesome. I love it. I love it. Uh, kind of gave away on LinkedIn. Thank you, Hayato Nakamura, for giving this away on LinkedIn. Sarah already knows what it is, but maybe she doesn't know unless she's listened to an entire podcast before. I don't know if anybody... (laughs) Do people listen to the whole thing? I don't know. Um, If you had the choice between eating 
hot soup or gourmet marshmallows and hot chocolate, what would you choose? Hot chocolate. Really? Yeah. I thought for sure you were going to say the soup. <laughs> well, I already know what the soup is, so. I'm yeah. <laughs> you want to try the other thing. <laughs> Even though well, it's getting too hot. <laughs> all right. Well, we're going to send you a hot chocolate and gourmet marshmallow uh, package from our friends at Mountain Mallow. This is a company that my wife and I found when we were out in Vail, Colorado a couple of years ago. And uh, it's absolutely fantastic. It's decadent. You will love it. Uh, for our listeners, they're actually giving our listeners uh, 15% off on your order when you go to mountainmallow.com and put in the code GROWBIG. You get 15% at checkout. But for you, Sarah, I want to send it to you for free, and I can't wait to hear how you enjoy it. Thank you. I'm excited about it. <laughs> That's a big old hot chocolate smile. <laughs> <laughs> it has been an absolute pleasure having you on Agents Growth Academy today. Um, uh, last last minute, uh, well, we already did kind of piece of advice, but uh, you know, any, any last thought based on what we talked about today? Uh, that you share with the audience or actionable step they can take? So uh, actionable step one, number one, um, buy undiscovered voices on Amazon. Yes. If you didn't say <laughs> so it, I was going to. That's what it's all about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And um, the book is really for any, um, any woman that wants to see relatable stories that they can probably see themselves in. That's a lot mm. of the feedback I'm having from other women that have read it. And it's also for leaderships and execs to see, okay, we, we thought we solved this problem a long time ago. There's still a problem and we still need to make changes. And um, here's the solution and just start spreading the word on, you know, let's show all the other industries how to do it. Let's show them how we do it. I love it. And it honestly, that your message of, we don't have a talent shortage um, is really hopeful to me as an agency owner because sometimes it does feel like, oh my gosh, we don't have anybody, but we do, we really do, and it, and sometimes it's a slower process because you've got to give time for people to to develop and grow. But if you're putting people in place and enough of them, where you can have sort of this, you know, garden of really good talent growing, uh, then when it's time you can put them into uh, a different position and move them up. I love it. Sarah, it's been fantastic. Thank you so much. Stick around for a second. I'll talk to you offline. But for everybody else, until next time, grow big or go home. Take care. If you like this or any other episodes of Agents Growth Academy podcast, make sure you rate it. And if you want to take ownership over your own growth, come join us for free over at agentsgrowthacademy.com.